You're watching Global Trade This Week with Pete Mento and Doug Draper. All right, we are here. Another edition of Global Trade This Week. This is the Halloween edition, right? We, uh, we pushed it back one day, so we have it's all Halloween all the time today. I'm excited to talk about our, our four great topics. But before we get into that, I'm Doug Draper. I'm only half of the show. The other half is my good friend, Mr. Pete Mento. Pete, I'm not 100% sure where you are today. Um, so give us our audience. You got a nice whiteboard behind you. So What's the um, window? Yeah. where does this podcast find you on this glorious day? In my office in Washington, D.C. So mm-hmm. I am, I am, uh, this is my new base of operations uh, here in, in the beautiful district and um, couldn't be happier. Amongst all this vile scum and villainy, and uh, right here knee deep in the swamp. Nice. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what to say about that. Vile in the swamp. I think didn't somebody say you got to drain the swamp? Is that what we're trying to accomplish? When you find the drain, tell me. Good luck. Good luck, <laughs> buddy. Good luck. Nice. Cool, man. Well, let's just jump into this thing. Um, like I said, we got some great topics. We cover a wide spectrum, but. Um, I like both of yours. So uh, hit us with number one, Pete. What you got? Yep. So uh, a good friend of mine last night reminded me of a great saying, early early to bed, early to rise, work really hard and advertise. I guess that was um, Ted uh, Ted Turner was, was a big fan of saying that. You know, um, it's one thing to get up early and work really hard, but if no one realizes you're working really hard, what's the point of it, you know? And it it, it reminded me a lot of how, the government does a very bad job of advertising the things that they're great at. Now, to be fair, Doug, we don't always say the kindest things about government agencies here on Global Trade this week. Um, and by we, I mean I. But <laughs> this is this is going to be a bit of a turn for us. Uh, my first topic is the ridiculous amount of, of help that's available to importers and exporters that they really just don't know about. There are so many, just customs alone, so many free programs that allow you to be well-educated, to really understand compliance. You can get your products classified online now by using very simple, uh, very simple form format that's available on the website. Getting Schedule B numbers and ECCNs for, um, for exports from the uh, folks at the BIS. Report writing and report generation through the automated commercial environment. All of these things have been paid for by your tax dollars. And I hate paying taxes. I know we all do. But mm-hmm. it's ridiculous to think that they just don't talk about them. They don't. And when they do talk about them, they don't do it in a way that really highlights how very helpful and important that they are. So I know it's only October. But at this point, we're kind of all, you know, in the, in the, in the, boot, the break bootleg uh, move, the power slide into 2024 at this point, as people are putting together their plans for the next year, I think something that they really ought to think about is how can I better use all of these different types of, of uh, assets and, and things that are available to me that really could help to superpower my compliance program for 2024. Um, and they're all available right there on the website. Reach out to us if you want to learn more about it, of course, but it's just ridiculous that people struggle so hard to try to maintain a compliance program when there's so much support that's available based on taxpayer dollars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of like the USPS. I I admit I'll batch those guys time and again, but there's so much potential there 
that is untapped or unaware. Like you said, uh, I forget what you, I forget the terminology you use, but you know, nobody's promoting that, right? Nobody's, nobody's promoting that. And the one thing, um, so I was like, yeah, that's great, but I'm not in, I'm not in the swamp. I'm not in DC, but you know, for our audience, you know, I'm in Denver, right? So question is, well, what's available to me in Denver? And, um, you know, a shameless plug for the World Trade Center Denver. Absolutely. Go to their site, and, and this is common for World Trade Centers, but I know the group here in Colorado is just phenomenal, right? I mean, I'm just I'm just looking here at some of the, you know, import logistics. Uh, how do you deal with a free trade agreement, international contracting, you know, ITAR, uh, trade finance, um, you know, uh, uh, Incoterms, ethics and international trade, all that stuff is available um, for either free or very minimal cost. So uh, for you in Colorado uh, or other major markets across the country, there is a World Trade Center in your city, all of which provides phenomenal resources. And I can speak from firsthand experience with the team in Denver um, and the amount of training um, that is available and, 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 and uh, some of it goes untapped, you know, some of these classes uh, that are available. Like you and I, we have a widget and we want to sell it in the UK. What are the rules? How do I do it? Um, is it a good idea in the first place? Who's done it already? Like all of that is at their fingertips um, that, that is just uh, untapped. So I don't know, Pete, how, how do we get the word out more? You just did it, right? So there's, there's a, a great example. And to be super fair, Doug, uh, I don't know of many World Trade Centers that are anywhere near as good, as active, as well-supported, and as aggressive. Um, you know, Karen Gerwitz and her team at the World Trade Center Denver are absolutely, I mean, superlative. They're, they're, it's, in my opinion, probably the best one in the country when it comes to supporting the trade. They're incredible. But mm -hmm. that's not to say that the other ones around the country aren't great either. But that's a great example. How many people that watch this show, that listen to us, understand that they have organizations in their state that that's what they're there for, to advocate for you. They want nothing in return, maybe a small annual, you know, a, a relatively small annual uh, membership fee. But what you get in return is, is amazing. Mm -hmm. And then the federal agencies, um, you know, everyone at Commerce, the people at the State Department, folks at Customs, there, there are so many things that are there for outreach. And I'm telling you, it's, it's probably like one of those jokes where you've got some career politicians sitting there doing Sudoku waiting for the phone to ring because people <laughs> don't use them enough. So yeah, yeah you know, we, we've got to get the word out. They've got to get the word out and, um, you know, let your fellow trade geeks and transportation nerds know there's help out there and you should use yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Big fan of world trade center, Denver. Great, great people over there. They'll get you in the right direction. So Absolutely. all of our audience members reach out. And even if you're not in Colorado, I know they'll give you some, some direction and some advice. So. There we go. I'm going to wait for the for the check in the mail to help with that promo, Pete. And hopefully, it's coming. We'll be waiting a long time, Doug. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't think that uh, they're awash with extra cash at the World Trade Center. So, yeah. and if they yeah. have extra cash, I'm sure that they would they would try really hard to get a raise for all those hardworking people over there. Yeah, good group, solid group. So cool. All right, what you got, Doug? All right. So I saw something. Um, the other day uh, written about this, and it actually was a comment made from DHL. We were talking about different freight forwarders and specific to DSV before we jumped on. But um, the rumor is that inventories um, in a general sense are now balanced um, as we head into, into the holiday. So um, basically, 
you know, the, the, the economy is developed on goods and services. And during COVID, goods were king. Everybody wanted their stuff. And we use Peloton as, as the example, right? They wanted tangible things. Um, and so that was big during COVID. And companies were like, we need to feed the beast. We need more stuff, bigger POs. Let's go, let's go. And then as COVID was able to uh, uh, come under terms and we were able to manage it as a, 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 as a globe, right, as the international community, um, people switched to services and they wanted the experience economy. I'm going to go on a vacation that got postponed. I'm going to go out to dinner. I'm going to go experience. So goods were during COVID. Experiences and services were post-COVID. <laughs> Excuse me. But buyers and, and uh, CPG companies uh, didn't see that pivot coming as quickly as it did. We talked about the roaring 20s many, many times. And so all these POs, just came in and there was so much inventory and so much stuff that they couldn't put the brakes on fast enough. And that's whenever the warehouse industry expanded and, and um, it was a very beneficial time to be in the warehousing business. So what happened for this year is smaller purchase orders. We saw that in a minimal peak season that we had this year and, um, and, and it's starting to balance out. So the right product is in the right locations. There's not overstock. And we saw that reflected in, in the fact that peak season was pretty, pretty minimal or non-existent this year. So question is, now that everything is kind of right-sized, what are the consumers going to do? And then what is the financial reports going to say in Q1 with these companies that have finally right-sized and balanced their inventories? And uh, it'll be interesting to say, is there going to be success in Q1 where people are going to stand up and companies like, hey, we got our act together, we balanced our inventories, everything was where it was supposed to be, and the consumer got their product when they wanted it. Is that going to be what I would refer to here in Colorado as a false summit related to the economy, right? Hey, look at this great stuff. We made extra money and we fixed all the issues we had with uh, 2023. Was that going to be a blip or is it going to be a true uh, bellwether of what the economy is doing? So I, I'm not really sure, but I think that the consumer... Pete is going to have a pretty good experience this year if they're interested in buying goods instead of services where the inventory is right where it's supposed to be. It's going to get to you quickly. The prices are going to be very fair. And we'll see how things look in Q1 when all of that is said and done. And I think it's going to look pretty favorable. I just don't know if that's going to be a true gauge of where we are uh, in the economy as a whole. So I don't know. What's your take on all that? Uh, kind of mixed, you know. I've been reading a lot of the similar articles. and. We don't give we don't give investment advice here, so please do your own research. But whenever I hear logistics companies or anyone saying, "Hey, it's all better now, uh, everything's fine, things mm -hmm. are balanced," you know, I'm, uh, I'm immediately a little bit skeptical. What are we trying to do here? Are we trying to make investors in the street feel confident that better days are ahead, so come buy the stock. So that's one of the things that I, you know, immediately I'm skeptical. And the second is, are we really balanced? Or are we just saying that we have more orders coming in? It's closer to the 2019 numbers. Warehouses are, you know better than I do, Doug. Warehousing space, it's still very expensive. It's hard to find, particularly if you need something that's customized. But there's still a lot of unsold crap laying around this country. Mm -hmm. And we have not seen the fire sale in retail. So when they say inventories are balanced, I just want to say, are they really? Are they really balanced? Or is there still a lot of unused, unconsumed inventory that's laying around this country that people don't know what to do with. 
And whether that's everything from fashion and clothing all the way down to piles and piles of PPE that never sold, never sold. And the federal government's waiting for it to hit rock bottom to buy and, you know, put in some warehouse somewhere in Salt Lake City. I don't know. But the the indication of, of looking at orders coming out of China and orders coming out of most of Asia, I don't know that it fully supports that kind of, of, of positivity at this point, that exuberance. I'm just not feeling it, man. I'm not feeling it at all. Yeah. We'll see how it shakes out. I have a little bit better feel for it. With my personal experience in my industry in warehousing, I have seen with our clients rebalancing. Um, and I think it's going to be a good uh, a good holiday season. And, and I think we'll see a blip, whether that's true as a ongoing or, or like I said, whether it's a, uh, a false summit will we'll, uh, we'll be determined. So I anyway. will tell my friend. Yeah. Well, it is halftime. And it is Halloween, so obviously uh, we need to speak to that a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. Cap Logistics is the one that are bringing the holiday treats to us today. Um, so please visit caplogistics.com, and we want to thank them for giving us the soapbox every single week. It's much appreciated. So um, now that we put the plug in for Cap, Pete, um, I'm going to let you rip with, sure. uh, with, with your uh, half time. Yeah, but before we do that, we want to mention uh, our TAPA appearance. So we will be down in Boca Raton, Florida, the TAPA 2 conference, and we'll be recording the show live. And we're excited for that. We take in crowd questions. We'll, we'll, um, there'll be all kinds of hijinks, tomfoolery, and other silliness, I'm sure. But mm -hmm. we want to thank um, everyone, City Rosen, Alan Gear, and everyone else at TAPA for extending the invitation. We're very excited to get the opportunity to do it. And for those of you who have not registered, please do hit up TAP Americas and let them know. Um, it is the premier cargo security and um, loss management for supply chain conference in the country, I would argue the world. And we're excited to be a part of that. So I yep. just wanted to mention that again. Um, my halftime, it is October 31st, which to me uh, has a dual meaning. One, it, today would have been my mom's 77th birthday. You know, she um, she left us quite a while ago, but I, I asked, you know, what did Halloween mean to you when you were younger in your life? You know, Halloween to me, first of all, was it was the veneration of my mother. You know, it was her birthday, which meant everything else was off until we made sure that Sonia was happy. So uh, there was that part of it. But for me, I remember it wasn't even like a real school day. You know, everybody came dressed up in their costumes and. And it was kind of hard to keep control of people's learning because we were so fired up. But getting home, waiting for it to get dark, hanging out with my friends and going on trick-or-treating. But then as we got older, it getting part of the chaos of of just being little snots and, you know, toilet paper in people's house. I mean, I was that guy, Doug. So we, mm -hmm. we, um, we were little hoodlums. I hate to admit that. And then getting older, just the parties that we would have in our 20s where I felt I, I really enjoyed going to costume parties and the, the amount of fun that we had. But for Halloween, for me now, I don't even really think about it anymore, Doug. I, it doesn't, doesn't register. You know, my, my daughter is a teenager. She's in her last year of high school. She, she loves, loves Halloween. Um, for her, it's still fun, but I don't know, Doug, at some point in my life, Halloween just became another day in my calendar. It's not like the other holidays. But this apparently is uh, next to the Super Bowl. More beer and alcohol will be consumed tonight uh, than any other night in the calendar. So apparently, oh, yeah. someone out there is still having fun, Doug. It's just not me. Yeah. 
So my um, uh, thread of Halloween is very similar to yours, right? So when I think of Halloween, um, I think of two things. One, being in high school, uh, partying pretty hard, um, and zipping through the neighborhoods with toilet paper and uh, creating uh, destruction, whether you fork somebody's yard or grab for sale signs or uh, slight property destruction. Uh, I can't believe that I did some of that stuff. And then um, I was kind of an asshole a little bit <laughs> with re related to this night when I was a teenager. And then fast forward in college, all the things that you just spoke about, um, parties and, and getting dressed up. So uh, I feel the same way. But I will do a, a public service announcement for any of our listeners that have kids in elementary school. So again, my wife's a first grade teacher. And here's two things that you do not bring to a kid's Halloween party at school. Glitter and popcorn. Because it just gets destroyed. And the cleanup is, is off the boot. So when you're like, what are these kids going to do? Oh, let's bring some popcorn and we can have some glitter. Do not bring popcorn or glitter to your elementary school's uh, uh, Halloween party and your teachers will be uh, much great, uh, will be very grateful. So, do, you have a, do you have a favorite Halloween costume that you wore one year, like one that you remember that you really loved? You know, the, the, one, the one I'm thinking of, I, it, yes, it was uh, a Jimmy Buffett, you know, uh, uh, parrot shirt. And I was a swimmer growing up, so I had goggles. And I stuck three beer cans off to the side and one in the back. And as I drank beer, I would pull one off and put the other one on. And off the, oftentimes that beer wasn't completely empty. So I was just covered with beer um, at a fraternity party, probably getting a little bit out of hand. But yeah, that's the one I, for some reason, always comes back to me. My beer goggles dressed up as uh, Jimmy Buffett. Okay, yeah. Um, my, my personal favorite, I went as Belushi. Is that me or you? Uh, That's me. I, I just killed it. I went as Belushi's, you know, remember how you used to do like Samurai Delicatessen and Samurai yeah. Yeah. So I uh, I had the full get up. You know, I, I did the full Belushi um, and, and I had the fake Samurai sword and the whole bit. And Doug, nobody got it. Huh. Nobody got it. I, and then I, I, I found anytime you have to explain your Halloween costume over and over again, that's a great indication that you missed the mark. So nobody, nobody really got it. Maybe one or two of my friends, you know, but maybe they're just being nice. They're like, okay, P oh, that's really great. Yeah, great costume, moron, right? So, <laughs> um, yeah, it wasn't a really good one. One, one year, um, my friends and I in, in, uh, in Baltimore, we all went as the Super Friends. Yeah. You remember the 1970s cartoon Super Friends? Oh, yeah. And, uh, I was Batman, and um, that was an absolutely fantastic costume. It was one of my favorites. And I met a girl at a party who was dressed as Catwoman, and I will, I will say that worked out well for young Mr. Pete. So yeah, that was uh, that was great. But um, yeah, most of my most of most of my Halloween costumes are kind of DIY, like you're talking about beer goggles. Yeah, yeah, that's the best kind. So cool. Well, Pete, my halftime. I'm going to keep this one short because it is not uh, focused around ha uh, Halloween, but it is focused around travel. You're doing a insane amount of it and I'm doing it more in my career now than I ever have. Um, but it's, uh, related to the airport and the concept of how do you properly load an airplane? And, um, this popped up because on the 26th of October, United came up with a new 
a loading plan where it was window middle aisle, which makes total sense before it was back to front, which uh, people think is, is the best. Um, so back to front, window middle aisle, and I was doing some, some legwork. And there's actually a guy, I forget his first name, but it's last name is Stefan, S-T-E-F-F-E-N. And it's called the Stefan Method of how to load a plane. Like, I don't even know how this came to be or why this guy is studying this. But the ideal scenario to load based on his uh, analysis is back to front, alternating rows and alternating sides. So people don't stop in the middle of the aisle and wait while somebody puts their bags up. There's a little space in between. So that process is a little bit faster. And then you go left to right and, and alternate. So um, that's just something that I brought up as I've been loading and unloading planes, or I've been um, you know getting on and off planes uh, and just how challenging you just shake your head about how people people operate. But the one thing, Pete, that, that struck me is that they said the second fastest way to load a, load a plane is a free-for-all, just like, just like uh, Southwest does. You get in line and you just pick your seat and you go. That is actually faster from what, um, what I read than doing a scheduled, organized back to front. So, um, so we'll see. I'm sure everybody on the plane is like, God, if I was in charge, we'd load it this way or that way. But the Stefan method, check it out. Um, it's got, I saw a video where it has these great little people and widgets that are kind of moving through to see how the plane will go. Um, but the bottom line, Pete, is that the incentives and the status that will always be present to, to, to have people commit to an airline will always create problems, right? That uh, you could have uh, a loading of a plane scripted as well as you want, but if you have status and premiere, uh, it's going to screw it all up. So anyway, that's my take on uh, loading and unloading plane passengers on planes. My, my quick response to that, Doug, is uh, I, I read apparently it's going to save three minutes. That's uh, the, the United thing. Yeah, it's going to save three minutes. And if you if you know you you progress that over time, how much time that saves them over a course of a year? I'm like, I don't, will it really? I like I, I want someone with a stopwatch to tell us if it really saved them three minutes. And then mm -hmm. secondly, much like you, I'm a business traveler. I fly United almost exclusively because of where I fly to and from. And um, I hate people that are not full-time business. I hate them. I hate them. Like I, I have, I'm oh, sorry, my lights went out here. I, I have a, I have so much angst and anxiety in my heart for these people, Doug, that get on planes and make it impossible for the rest of us. And it's just one of those things I've had to learn to just accept. People lose 30, 40 IQ points as soon as they enter an airport. And maybe it's because I'm just used to being there, but y'all don't act right once you get on in an airplane or, or an airport. And you need to, if you don't, if you can't figure out how to be part of the great machine, take the bus, stop making it harder on the rest of us. I've had it. Yep. Yep. I'm sure everybody's thinking of stories, listening to this show. Like I remember the time when dot, dot, dot. Uh, when they were loading and unloading a plane. So yep. anyway, all right, brother, what you got on? Uh, I think you go. Yeah. yeah. Your, your yeah second, one's, second one's kind of freaky. So Apple has found themselves in a really difficult position. Their Apple watch, which is really surprisingly to me, at least taking the world by storm. People love these wearables 
And it has been determined by the International uh, Trade Commission that a suit brought against them by another technology firm about how their watches gauge the um, blood alcohol content, blood, uh, sorry, oxygen level content of your blood. The technology that they use based on the light was an infringement on the IP of this company. And the president's office is going to take the next 60 days to review it. But the president has never, no president has ever vetoed an ITC ban before. And if that's the case, Apple has a choice to either stop putting that technology in their watches, which are already in production and in the software and all the rest of it, or they'll be banned from importing them. This is the biggest company in the world, biggest company in the world. And they're facing an outright ban on one of their most important products right around the holidays. I think that's incredible. So um, that's the power of taking one of these arguments to the government. And the fact that this little company that could got something out of it, I guess it says a lot about the fact that you never know. And there, you know, there, there could be some support there for it. I believe in Apple. I think that they'll, they'll find some way to make it work. They're just too big of a company with too many resources not to find some way to make this work and to save the day. Well, I think you, na- you nailed it when you said it's the biggest company in the world. They'll either um, come to some sort of agreement to uh, use the technology and, uh, and pay the company some money. I think it's um, Massimo yeah. is the name of the, the company about that. So anyway, scratch a check, have the problem go away or give them some residual um, revenue for, for using the IP. But you've seen this commercials. The, the, latest, the latest one is whenever they just clap yeah. their fingers. And I mean, that, that's all related to that technology. So that's where it's going. So Apple's not going to not going to let that go away, in my opinion. And uh, they'll solve it with the stroke of a pen. And uh, I, want and a new one, man. Like I, I can't What's wait. I, I want one. I want the new Apple watch. I, I want the new Apple 15. Uh, you know, so we'll see. I hope they I hope they can still import them because, you know, Big Daddy wants his toys. So <laughs> I, guess, I guess we'll see. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, well, hey, my last topic, and, and Pete, I'm going to, this one is, um, we could have an entire show about this one, right? Because it's, it's we always talk about being uh, forward thinking and what's coming down the road. And, and this one is related to Africa, right? And um, I saw an article, um, and I'm going to give you some statistics on the, on the New York Times, but Africa is on the rise. And it's going to have um, impact on sourcing, international trade, and supply chain. However, and I'll get to the however in a minute, so I want to throw some statistics out there that I got from the New York Times, that the population, so here they are, number one, the population of Africa is going to reach 2.5 billion in the next 25 years. Um, And the rest of the um, income nations or first world countries are actually on the decline, right? So Africa's skyrocketing up. Um, in 1950, only 8% of the world's population was in Africa. And by 2050, 2050, it's going to rep- represent 25%. But of that statistic, Pete, the most important one is that 33% of the, the world's population is going to be in Africa that's the ages of 15 to 24. So they are entering their prime work years Um if you will, while the other countries, um, the U.S. and China, their average is around 38 years old as far as the median age. Um, Africa's 19. 
U.S. and China's 38. You can kind of put those things together and see where the trajectory is, is heading. Um, and by 2100, right, I, I kind of laugh at some of these projections that are 80 years out, but 40% of the world's population is going to be uh, African. Um, and that's what they're saying. So all that is great, Pete. And we've talked about this way back when you and I first started the show a couple of years ago. Um, in our industry, you chase labor. Where's the cheapest labor to make the next widget or the next piece of clothing or the next, you know, whatever it may be. But the infrastructure in Africa is so rudimentary. I don't know if the investment is going to be, if the juice is going to be worth the squeeze, because uh, not only just talk about the ports, right? We could get into this in, in the port infrastructure and how do you move something from a manufacturing place that may get set up to the port to get it efficient, uh, effectively out. Um, and then just the infrastructure of, of factories and the organization of people, it just does not exist. The infrastructure is so basic right now that it would be billions and billions of dollars um, to upgrade, to make any level of manufacturing in Africa um, beneficial. So um, I, I don't know, man, it, it's primed, it's ready. The workforce is there, it's growing. It has all of the, uh, the it's dotting the I's and crossing the T's, but the infrastructure, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's gonna happen or not. Oh, and then by the way, the political aspect of those countries and, and the fraud, that is rot through all those countries. Um, I don't know. I, I don't see anything dramatically happening. Raw materials and things of that nature. Sure, I think that's going to continue to grow with the with the EV explosion. But um, I don't know. What's your take on Africa uh, based on those demographics, the political situations, and it being the next um, the next great bastion of uh, of cheap labor to divert manufacturing. I agree with the uh, demographic side of it, and also to you know piggyback what you were saying regarding the infrastructure. It's a real problem, but a lot of China's Belt and Road, and a lot of what China has been doing to dump money into building ports and and building infrastructure, it really was all throughout Africa. Now I wonder with with China's current economic problems if they'll be able to maintain it and keep it keep it going well, and if these African nations will also be able to maintain it and keep it going. These are massive projects. It takes a lot of money to keep them, you know, up to date and working. So they're they're in a dangerous situation if their benefactor is unable to continue to financially support it. Um, you know, when you talk about why people don't have as much confidence in supporting exports out of Africa. It sounds a lot to me like China in the 70s. You know, we don't we don't really trust the infrastructure. We worry about geopolitical unrest. We have concerns about, um, you know, our ability to, to be able to control our IP, all those things. And I think that we're in a position now where we've probably learned about global expansion, where it can be better there. But Africa, unlike a lot of these other parts of the world, has not embraced one political ideology over another. If anything, they've really been more in the orbit of China than the United States. So I think it's going to be harder for them to bring that kind of comfort to American manufacturers that they're making an investment in a part of the world that's politically aligned with the West. I think mm -hmm. ultimately that's going to be a real speed bump for Africa's growth. Yeah. Yeah. I think the political alignment and the geopolitical nature of many countries versus China being one, and you get some the communist nature of it—you just dump, print money, and dump it in there to make the to to, to make it work. It doesn't uh, 
Not that we've ever done that, Doug, you know, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. That could be, anyway, that, that topic, I just brushed over it, Pete. We could have several shows specifically about, about Africa, but it struck my attention the other day and I wanted to bring it up. Yeah, we just might. Maybe we will, Doug. Maybe we'll yeah. have a bunch of shows about it. Yeah. But um, for this week, that's going to be our last topic. And uh, as always, we appreciate all of you that listen, watch, share the show, and support us. We want to thank the folks at Cap Logistics who make this possible. I want to thank uh, Keenan back at the ranch putting all this together for us. You all missed it, but Keenan didn't look. He looked a little unkempt today. He was out of uniform. You know, his hair was a little messy. It's uncomfortable for me. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we want to thank him as well and thank all of you. And thanks, Doug, for another great show. Happy Halloween, everyone. And we'll see you again next week for another great edition of Global Trade this week. Take it easy. Excellent. Thanks, Pete. See you guys. Thanks,